How are you doing, Thomas? Pretty good. Pretty good. Have you been recording the whole thing? Of course. I said, fuck you, Apple. <laughs> uh, show title. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I was talking to some some people last night about the show, and um, they were saying that there needs to be more gratuitous cussing. I was like, ah. really? I, I was just going to say, like, maybe we should start over. I could bleep that out, or <laughs> let me drop a marker there. <laughs> but, well, so I'm going to take that that tech stuff and put it in at the end that we just did. So, right. hi, for folks who don't know, we 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 do a religion kind of show, but we don't actually talk about religion that much. Uh, we do an accidental religion show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first thirty minutes are always tech stuff that that we don't put in because we think, oh, well, no one wants to hear that. But, well, no, okay. So the first hour is tech stuff, and the first thirty minutes of that we don't put in, right? It's usually how it yeah, goes. Like that's, lately, that's we've true. been starting with tech stuff, and we're going to start with tech stuff again today in like the show proper, I guess. Um, and yeah, the the uh, iTunes page. There's a big like one of the splash images is for Mumford and Sons. Yeah, aren't you a huge Mumford and Sons fan? <laughs> <laughs> too much kick drum <laughs> too much kick drum dude okay yeah we'll move on man buns yeah Avert Brothers has a has a really good uh well it, okay but they were they were pre whatever this is you know like they were they were pioneers in that space that's true and, yeah and, I turned to, I turned a guy driving back from Jacksonville at like 2am uh, last week turned a guy on to Avert Brothers he was riding back okay. with me and he was like I was talking about like what kind of music do you like and he was like oh I kind of like you know like I don't know like folk and stuff like that. And I was like, okay. Do you like Aver Brothers? She was like, I've never heard of them. I was like, here we go. I have their whole discography. Let's do this. <laughs> so like the last 45 minutes or hour was Aver Brothers. And he just texted me the other day. It was like, dude, you were so right. Like you've completely, completely turned me on to Aver Brothers. So that's awesome. You know, I used to go to the, um, they, they always did their New Year's show in Nashville. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I used to go to that like every year. And it was at the Orange Peel, which is, yeah. Just, my uh, right. like my favorite holds, music it holds place a in the special world. place in our hearts yeah yeah but it's small right right um and but the most amazing show i ever saw there was was jessica lee mayfield who has a great album called bible days which is like has all this religious overtone stuff to it and if you haven't heard of jessica lee mayfield go listen to her there's a link in the show notes um so she opened up and evidently she was dating dating seth um david <laughs> from the name david right. <laughs> seth mumford uh so uh, anyway, so she did a lot of songs with them, and it was great, and it was just really awesome. And then they moved up to the Thomas Wolfe, uh, you know, our big convention center in Asheville. And, and then they went to Greensboro, and then last year it was in Raleigh. So Mariana surprised me and got us tickets for that. So it was fun. But um, yeah, we go way back with the, with the Avids. Uh, what, like 2004, 2005, I think, was when I first heard of I don't them. know, but I remember we have a mutual friend um, at – from dip school at whose wedding as i recall the reception music was only avid brothers yeah that's right so um yeah and at the time i was not a fan of that kind of music and i was like oh what is going on <laughs> but i've grown since then so that's where the like mumford and sons like i mean i and i like mumford and sons um you know they're kind of more overtly religious um in their uh and their lyrics and you know that that's cool I like that are they but i think so i think they're more overtly religious I, I don't listen to it, I don't know. um oh yeah sure sure but that's not hard i mean they talk about like rolling away the stone and all that stuff like yeah um but that kind of allowed me to be a little bit more comfortable with kind of folk you know slash bluegrass i'm still not like kind of what i would call like true bluegrass that trinity loves I just can't get into that, but I can I can do some Avid Brothers. So yeah, yeah, Avid's good. Um, 
You know who who really annoys me right now though? Who? It's J- uh, Jason Isbell. I went to his concert. He was in Tallahassee a little while ago, yeah, and I went. That's right. Um, it was, it was, um, it was good. I mean, I, I was not a huge fan of his, but a friend had an extra ticket. He's like, "You want to go?" I was like, "Oh, sure, I'll go see his concert." But it's like America. It yeah, is. I, yeah, it is. I really like uh, was Sturgill Simpson. You know, I like him. Chris Stapleton is kind of like Jason Isbell to me, like right. kind of a poser. But I've got a, like my really good friend here in town is a huge Jason Isbell fan. So every time we go over to their house. You know, he and his wife are always playing it, and they're always, you know, calling me a, a hipster snob. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, we're going to play the American music now? Uh, I'm like, put on some Sturgill Simpson. That's the good stuff. It's like Waylon Jennings. Yes. Uh, speaking of Waylon, yeah, my puppy just came to say hello. Right. His name is Waylon. His name is Waylon. Yep. Um, so I had a, had a life-changing day today, Thomas. I know. I've been a part of it. It's been... <laughs> <laughs> it's you been met great. Amy. I did meet Amy today. Have you seen her, the movie? No, I haven't seen her. Oh man, you gotta watch it. I think it's it's on one of the streaming things. So is it what? like Ex Machina? Because I did see Ex Machina, which it's not I as was yeah. great. And but maybe I, I think Ex Machina was a little bit more dystopian and right, right. It's like sci-fi right. kind of stuff. This is like uh, just a movie set in the near future. Yeah. Um, and it stars uh, what's his name, Joaquin Phoenix. All right. He, uh, it's a great actor, but, um, and, and Scarlett Johansson is the voice of the little computer, Yeah. but basically he, you know, the dude falls in love with his computer and the computer evolves over time in a, in a nutshell, spoiled it for you. But Amy, who started working for me today is from a company called x.ai and that's their URL because you can have a .ai address, which is, um, which is pretty brilliant for them. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think, because you know, AI and X.AI, even her name. So Amy was their, like some kind of beta product they had. I, I did some research because <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. I want to have her babies. And her last name uh, is Ingram, which they said is a play on Ingram. Okay. Uh, so, you know, basically Amy is a personal assistant that you email or you message with. And you tell her, like, hey, I want to set up a, a time to record Thinking Religion this week with Thomas. Can you check and see what time is good for him? And she says, yep, sure. Sounds good. I'll take care of it. It'll be on your calendar, uh, calendar you know, as soon as he re- replies back and we get it worked out. And that's the last thing you hear. So all day today, <laughs> I'm sure my clients are like, what the hell? <laughs> I've, been, um, I've been going through and saying, like, oh, I haven't checked with this client in a while. Or, you know, I know this is coming up for this guy or this, you know, this company is doing this. So I've just been constantly uh, messaging Amy and saying like, hey, set up a, you know, a, a, a conference call on Skype with this, you know, person sometime late next week in the afternoon. Great. Done. And I, I just get a little notification like, hey, here's your, uh, here's your calendar. And boom, it's, it's there. So I, I think I did 19 or 20, I forgot, I lost count, uh, events today. And not only does it save like so much time doing that kind of stuff, um, but you know, I'm also like messaging with, or I mean, this sounds terrible, but I'm getting Amy to go and like talk to my wife or my mom or, you know, even my, my daughter uh, to say like, <laughs> Hey, go out there and, and uh, message her and see if we can get a, a time set up to go over computer skills this summer, you know, late June, early July, something like that. And she goes off and, and does her internet magic. Um, so just from the, that time alone, 
it's been utterly transformative to me and it, it's helped my business. I think it's going to help my marriage. It's going to help my personal <laughs> life, my sex life, my, my health. Um, so are you scheduling sex now via Amy as well? I, you know, you, when you got a six month old, you got to do what you got to do. Amy, can you can you check with my wife to see what I'm talking? Oh, that's good. Um, uh, can you see when but, she's but, dilating? <laughs> so when um, you know when I talk about this, I, you have to give the caveat that I live and die by my calendar, right? And I, I've done that for almost ten years now. It was 2006 when I really started getting into calendaring. Um, and what turned me on to calendars was uh, a little app called Thirty Boxes, or it was a web app. And it was one of those first like Ajaxy type things, like you know, uh, like Gmail back in the day yeah. when you first used Gmail, and you're like, oh, this is different. Um, so my wife and I were using Thirty Boxes to, which sounds like Dirty Boxes, to communicate um, just schedules because she was in med school and I was, um, you know, in seminary with you and that kind of thing. And we didn't always see each other, and and I had set up this kind of janky calendar on my own website and server that we were trying to use, but it didn't work on mobile, blah, 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 blah. So I just fell in love with 30 boxes and then Google calendar came out and that's a tab that I have open on any device, like nonstop. Constantly. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, I've got a kid's calendar. We've got Ben's calendar. We've got, you know, house calendar. We're paying our bills calendar. I've got my personal calendar, work calendar, Mariana's calendar. And it all just, and you know, like I said, uh, the, the kids and they can add stuff to their calendar as well. So it's, it's really, really interesting when you get that deep into the ecosystem. But Amy today has just been fantastic. And she looks at your calendar and knows like what's going on and when, when you like to schedule things or, um, you know, what time you like to work or you can say like, ah, I don't really want to work, you know, before 11 AM today. So can you set up all my meetings, you know, for later in the afternoon? Yeah. Just like a real personal assistant. Right. So, so, okay. So, it, do you think, or do you know if their plan is to expand beyond scheduling? I mean, that like it seems to make sense to start with scheduling, but you can't design an entire product around just scheduling meetings. I wouldn't think. Right. They how much have they raised? They've raised uh, thirty-four point three million dollars in three rounds. Nice. Going back to twenty fourteen. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I think they're really focusing on scheduling right now because uh, it is a hard nut to crack. Right. There's another app coming out called Vive or Viv. VIV uh, later this year, and it's it's like Amy meets Siri, mm-hmm. and they, they have a, a beautiful baby that is the next step of you know AI bot evolution. And the whole thing about Viv is that it really does get nuance, and and um, you know it, basically like it can tell if if you're upset or if you're being very loud or if you're you know trying to do something that um, you know requires emotion. And it interacts with you in, in a way that Siri just can't right. and does things that, that like Amy is doing. So I don't know if Amy is going to be a long-term employee when something like you know, <laughs> Vive or Vive totally comes out. Um, but we're going into this really interesting time. And just having used this today and talking to the people who have interacted with Amy, um, most who thought she was a human. And, um, you know, I, I have some older clients who, you know, don't follow the messaging bot space. Uh, who, you know, remembered a time when people had personal assistants. So a couple of conversations today were like, oh, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, we didn't know you were bringing people on. I was like, well, yeah, 
Yeah. Is she local? Right. I was like, well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> She's wherever you wanted her to be. Um, yeah. and, I, and it seems to me that the next kind of step in this, too, is, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but it's kind of your home ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, WWDC is coming up next week. We're going to see what Apple does. They, I don't know if they'll announce anything kind of for their, like, what might be a competitor to, um, to like, Google Home and uh, Amazon Echo and things like that. Uh, if they're going to announce anything at this conference or not, but that that would seem to be the next step, right? Is that and kind of incorporating all of these other things into something like that? Well, you know, Google uh, Larry Page has said that his dream is to have a Star Trek computer. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. I, I just activated Google on my phone. That's Sorry <laughs> about that, Google. Um, Google is sad that I'm flirting with Amy instead of flirting with Google. I guess. Remember me? But yeah. The idea of, you know, having that kind of vocal computer that just goes and does stuff. Like, well, we have an Echo, and we keep it in the nursery, actually, uh, for the music. And then the 3 a.m. rocking, right. you know, when, when you, you can't sleep, so you tell it very quietly to play an audio book or play music or play the news. Or um, I, I've used it all the time to add things to my Google Calendar right. from, from the Echo, right? Uh, but what was interesting, my... My youngest daughter is, is turning six uh, tomorrow. Uh, so we had a big birthday party this weekend for her. And I said, well, you know, what, what do you want from, from me? What's your special gift? You know, what do you want from me, kid? <laughs> and she, she said, I want my own Echo or my own Alexa is what she said. Yeah. And I was like, well, really, do you use Alexa enough? So I went back and I was looking at, because you can see what uh, interactions uh, your Echo has with, with people in your home. So I was trying to fish back through on the app and see like what she'd used it for. And she was using it to spell things. Um, she would be, a lot of knock knock jokes. But um, she answered a math question. Yeah. Which I don't know if she was cheating on homework or what, but I thought that was pretty freaking cool. So I you know, I ran out to <laughs> Yeah, it's a proud dad. You're like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, you know, my kid's interacting with uh, with AI already. Right. Uh, so yeah, so I got her an echo. I was gonna get her the dot, like the smaller one, but then I, then I thought, well, she you know, she likes the music and she now she can play Bad Blood on her Echo and not have to right. mess up my stats. <laughs> um, so, Man, hate on T-Swift today and Mumford & Sons. <laughs> right. but I, so I set her up with her own Amazon account, which is probably stupid. Um, She's going to buy so many things. <laughs> no, it's it's hooked up so she can't <laughs> she can't buy things. Uh, but she has her own Amazon account. And when, when she adds something to her list, I can see it. Yeah. But, you know, and, and she doesn't have a laptop or a computer. So her first interaction with computing is this. Whereas my eight-year-old has a Chromebook right. and she's proficient. So I think that's so fascinating because the eight-year-old really does. I mean, she I've seen her use Alexa for music, but she doesn't really interact with yeah. it in the way that this now six-year-old does. Um, man, I mean, think about, you know, our my six-month-old. Mm-hmm. You know, what, like, how is this going to be so different for him. And this idea of you know, me sitting here with an iPad and two big screens and a desktop is going to look like... You Antiquated. Know, yeah. yeah, yeah, like you know the big sort of tube-looking computer yeah. you know, back in the day. <clears throat> um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to shake up so much, and it's going to change so many sort of philosophical things about intelligence and human and, and rationality and... I mean, let alone the job space. You know, I was right. uh, checking with Marianne about copywriting today, and I'm like, well, you know, you'll just upload your PDF to something, or say, like, you know, hey, Amy, go 
copyright my PDF or my text file. And that's going to happen. Like, we're not going to have to pay people to do that. We're not going to have to pay people to, to be personal assistants. You know, who knows if we'll have cars. <laughs> um, so it's this really strange world. Because, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Mm. Well, and this all bring, this also all brings up, you know, another kind of interesting philosophical question, too, right? Is why are basically all of these assistants women? Right. right? So Amy, yep. Viv, Siri, et cetera, they're all Cortana. Cortana they're all women. Um, and there, you know, there's Even a good piece. Um, that you post that you've got in the show notes that we'll uh, we'll drop down there for you on um, Silicon Angle and um, that's asking this kind of very question right about uh, why is this and kind of what's playing into this obviously it seems obvious to me um, some kind of traditional uh, gender stereotypes that we have that women are secretaries or personal assistants. And so and, this and, is just kind of playing into that. And so it, it would be interesting to me if we could say, for instance, have all of these AI assistants be have male voices. And then if we could track, like, how did how does that change um, maybe the field of kind of secretarial work, assistant work, things like that? Um, how does that change the gender uh, proportions in that maybe five, 10 years down the road? Yeah. So one of the shows but, that we watch is um, Madam Secretary, and the Secretary of State's like main personal assistant is a guy, and he's the guy that you know he does her scheduling, he like picks out clothes for her, he you know deals with her kids, like all this stuff, you know, and it's completely normal. And certainly there are guys like that, but you know traditionally uh, the idea is that women you know do the secretarial work, and apparently now something like ninety six percent of women or ninety six percent of you know, people that do secretarial work in this country are still women. Um, Did I ever tell you that my, my first job was almost being a personal assistant? Yes. Yeah, we've had that <laughs> conversation before. It's not a bad... I could have been Colin, yeah. Colin Powell's personal assistant. Like, right. how cool would that have yeah. been? I met the man. He liked me. He offered me the job, and, and I turned him down. Right before the... Uh, right before 9-11. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Um yeah, I agree. So Google, you were talking about home assistants. Uh, Google just announced last week or two weeks ago at their developer conference what they're calling Google Home, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's like a Amazon Echo, like a you know a box right. that basically has a Chromecast inside. But you talk to it, blah blah blah, and it does fun things. But um, the voice evidently is from what we've seen. It, Google hasn't released this. But what we've seen from leaks and that kind of thing, Google hired a, a number of uh, language experts to help them help them develop a voice that was gender neutral. Oh yeah, and personality uh, is being developed by uh, a couple of ex Pixar uh, story people. Yeah, and basically, there the idea is that the uh, home over time. We'll learn from you and your email and your calendars and all this stuff that you do with it, your preference, if you will. Like it's going to try to figure out, okay, do you want a male persona or a female persona okay. or gender neutral persona? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that can, you know, it's right, going to evolve right. be fluid, but I think that's utterly fascinating. Yeah. And uh, it it's not going to have a name out of the box like Siri, Cortana, whatever. Um, I don't know if they're going to let you develop that or if there's going to be something like, you know, no, this is Ted. We just haven't, we didn't announce right. the name early. Well, and it, but yeah, that's kind of never like made Google sense system. to me why you can't say like, 
hey, I'm going to call you Mark or whatever, you know, like, right. Cause like right. Siri, I mean, since day one, you could say, Hey Siri, you know, call me Thomas or whatever. Or, but I always thought that was stupid too, because Siri was, you know, it was an app before Apple acquired it yeah. and it was a much better app actually. Um, and then Apple acquired it and they stuck with the name, but we all thought, Oh, well they're going to change the name. Cause Siri, you know, what kind right. of name is that? Yeah. If you can hear my baby, I'm sorry. My wife is out and <laughs> he, uh, he's trying to learn how to go to bed at a decent <laughs> hour. So, um, but yeah, I think it, it does reinforce stereotypes. And I think, you know, when there's a hard and fast line between male and female, um, you know, which really isn't accurate of, right. of many societies here, uh, that, that reinforces things that we don't necessarily want to reinforce. Um, yeah. But I will say with X.AI, you can choose between Amy or Andrew. Okay, yeah. So all day I've been thinking, maybe I should go with Andrew. Like, would that look more professional <laughs> if if my, you know, 37-year-old self has a, you know, male... PA. Um, well, but and and see, my question wouldn't be whether it looks more professional. My question would be, does it? Um, you know, how does it change your perception over time? Yeah, exactly. You know? Right, right. Because I mean, I, yeah, like today, I was I was just experimenting with Amy. Sorry, Mariana, and I like that, right? Um, which is terrible to say. Like I'm talking about, you know, quote employee, and I'm making sexual overtones like that's not something i want to want to reinforce right um but you know i was like so how are you doing did you get lunch and it replied back no not yet but you know thinking about what to get or something kind of cutesy and then it was like uh you know if you have any feedback you know you can email our team but blah 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 blah. but uh, you know i wouldn't do that with a male um in that in that sense yeah so i'm yeah that, that's right, really so maybe interesting. it'd be good for kind of like you know stretch you a little bit to go yeah. with Andrew as opposed to Amy. Right. So right. Cause I, the I mean, process of trying to improve ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it, it says in the opening email, it's like, Hey, you know, if you want to use Andrew, like you just, you know, here's how to change that preference. Um, and I looked at that and I, I, I kind of thought about this for a second, you know, in the middle of the busy day. And I was like, nah, I'll go with Amy. I think people would be more relational to, to the a female persona. But, uh, on their blog, X that AI said that, they get, you know, so many uh, uh, date requests every week from yeah. from users and from people who, you know, are just interacting with Amy from, you know, clients or whatever. And uh, they've had flowers sent with, like, suggestive <laughs> messages nice. and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, so you have to watch her because it, it, this totally yeah. is about that movie. But, yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I, I would love something that's gender neutral. I think. Yeah, I, I'm interested in, in that if Google can actually kind of perfect that. Yeah, and they get the persona thing going with the Pixar thing. Right. Like, that could be yeah, really, really, really freaking interesting. Yeah. Well, speaking of interesting, Thomas, <laughs> we had a listener question. Yeah, yeah, that's a, right. We had a listener email, actually. That's right. Um, and, and this was a, a guy who I, I don't know. His name is James. And he emailed us last week and said, uh, I don't have the email in front of me. It's on the other machine, a computer. He said, um, I'm, I'm sorry to paraphrase you here, James, but a great show. Love the mix of tech, politics, religion stuff. Um, he's been a lifelong church member, and he's been listening to the show for the last few months and really enjoys what we say when we get into the biblical studies part. So he was encouraging us to do more of that and less of the Donald Trump, but, you know. Right. Sorry, James. It's our show. And <laughs> right. Well, yeah, exactly. Listening. Give us an right. iTunes rating and send us money on Patreon. Yeah, send us money and then we'll consider, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Pay to play, my man. Um, sounds like a nicer guy. And he said, um, lifelong member. He's an older fellow. And, he, and it's pretty awesome. He found us on iTunes. And he said that um, he'd been talking to his pastor about the show because it was something about the angels that, that we had talked about. But he's going back now and, and rereading parts of the New Testament again, kind of for the first time, because he, even though he grew up in the church, he's not insanely familiar with the nuances of the text. So he got to the part in Galatians where he, um, I, I don't have the verse in front of me, it's like Galatians 3 something, where Paul says, um, I'm preaching my own gospel, not one that I, I received from man, but one that I received straight from JC. And <laughs> he was saying, well, you know, you all have talked about sort of chronology in the past with, with the New Testament, and he was wondering, were there you know, gospels out there, or was Paul referring to just a belief in the resurrection of Jesus and Jesus as Lord being his gospel? And is that the word that was originally in the in the Greek, if you will, of of you know what Paul is trying to say there? Yeah, well, the word in the Greek should be just you on Galeon. Um, right. I'll look real right. quick, but um, yeah, so. Yeah, I think that what what Paul is talking about there when he's talking about preaching his gospel is he's just talking about uh, preaching the good news, which is what euangelion means. Um, I'm trying to get my Greek New Testament. Well, I'll, I'll say this, that um, remember Paul is writing this in the context of Galatians. So Galatians is a kind of a nasty gram to a letter uh, to a church that he had set up somewhere in Turkey. We don't know if it was you know in Galatia or not, um, because that's a huge region. But he was writing to this church and saying, hey, uh, you know, I hear these other Christian missionaries have shown up, and they've said that you've got to believe, uh, you know, Jesus as the risen Savior, but also keep kosher kitchen and be circumcised. And Paul's very angry in Galatians. Um, it's kind of like that 3 a.m. email that you send out after a couple of beers, and you shouldn't really send it out. But yeah. Amy's not there to tell you not to send it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start sending out my email to Amy now, 3 a.m., and say, can I send this? Well, you I know, for a long time, uh, Gmail has had, like, uh, Google goggles you or drunk? whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a lab you, know, you can turn on. Yeah. I've totally used that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, the, the, the idea here is that Paul is saying, look – you know, the gospel I received is that not just Jesus was died and resurrected, which clearly, was, well, not clearly, but it was, I think, something that was already in circulation among early Christian slash Jesus followers. Yeah, yeah. But also, I think what Paul is saying is unique about his gospel or his good news is that um, not only is Jesus the resurrected Messiah, but you don't have to necessarily follow Torah or the law, I guess, in terms of keeping kosher kitchen and being circumcised. You don't have to join the people of God, if you will, in order to be a, a Christian or, or to receive salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I but mean, I part of it, I think is what he's trying, I think part of what Paul's trying to do is kind of, um, change the definition of the people of God. Right. I think. That, and salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Um, but yeah, what he says, so like in Galatians one eleven, he says, I want you to know brothers, you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that I am gospeling, essentially, right? So the euangelion that I am, uh, euangelist, then you know, um, 
is not uh, from humans, basically. So most translations would say it's not of human origin. Um, and yeah, just euangelion there is uh, just means like kind of essentially it means good news, uh, you know, like a good message. And it's what we kind of have and we have evidence of it outside of the New Testament as well being used like that. But then it does pretty early on within Christian writing come to be like gospel and this, you know, somewhat of a technical term. But yeah, I think what what Paul's saying here in Galatians is just the message that I'm preaching. That's what he means by gospel. But there are certainly other gospels that are circulating. The question is whether they're circulating at the time that Paul is writing Galatians um, or not. You know, so Mark, for instance, which is the earliest gospel that was written, wasn't written until about 70. And, I mean, Paul's dead in the early 60s. So, um so, you know, we know that Mark wasn't written before Paul died. And then Matthew and Luke were both written after Mark because they both used Mark as a source. And John was written even after those were. Uh, but then we have, say, Gospel of Thomas, which is probably not technically a gospel. There's no narrative. It's just a collection of sayings. Um, and there are some that... So, Thomas, this is this is the next day, if you, uh, to, to quote a great David Bowie album. Um we were recording last night, and I noticed some interference, and then you got a little scratchy. I didn't know if it was mine, your end, and I didn't look at the call recording software. Thanks, Pamela, for Skype. And Pamela let me down, unlike Amy, and we lost basically the last, what, 45 minutes of the show? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think the best <laughs> that show was a hell of a show. It's obviously the best show ever. I know, I know. I mean, this is like, you know, the lost tracks that have gone out. Um, and And... For some reason last night, typically when I do any of these, I always have like two th- things recording because it's 2016. Right. Um, and I, I didn't do that. So it's my fault. And we dropped out. But you graciously have come back. And uh, we had a, we're we had a longer, much more detailed discussion on, you know, New Testament chronology. But uh, that, that was, was great. That was that was the best thing we've done in a long time. Really, <laughs> it really was. We're not we're not shitting you on this one. Actually, that was a yeah. good conversation so uh yeah um the gospel of thomas a basically a collection of sayings so we don't know if it's early there's the q source uh there's the m source as the l source maybe and uh, matthew and luke are kind of alike they borrow from mark thomas is out there borrowing from q perhaps and then we get john at the end but no there was we don't know of any you know gospel as it were that was in text form right around so it it becomes like a technical term later but it's not kind of when paul's using it in galatians i don't think so which we didn't talk about last night but yeah so when paul says it's my gospel or my good news he's saying not only is jesus christ the messiah who's risen from the dead but because of that so he puts this conditional phrasing onto it because of that you don't need to keep kosher kitchen and and uh, uh, uh circumcision in order to be a member of the you know, people of God, you don't need to be or follow the, the Jewish laws, as it were. Right. And people later take that and, and twist that into say, well, you don't have to do good works. You know, all I have to do is believe. Well, it's not really what Paul was going for there. Um, but that that term gospel comes from that word um, in the Greek, which means good news. And that translates later into being, you know, the, a book as it, as it was. But right. or when Paul was using it, that wasn't the case. Yeah. So you just have to trust us that everything else we said was amazing because honestly we don't remember at all. We remember a lot of it, but not all of it. Um, 
and we're just yeah. gonna move on. It's the easiest yeah. thing to do, you know, 24 hours later. So, and if you have questions, and so, so thanks, James. And if any of you have questions, you know, about Paul and all that stuff, we're not Paul scholars, but um, sex or Thomas or or whatever I study. Uh, you study. Me- so, actually, box. was I? I uh, you know, my master's thesis was on Paul. Uh, That's true. And so, like, I came in and people were like, oh, you're the Paul guy. I was like, I don't want to be the Paul guy. So I pretty successfully, I'm, like, I didn't think it would ever happen, but I pretty successfully um, took off the cloak of being the Paul guy and became the sex guy, which is way better. Well, I mean, you Trust know, me. they're kind of one in the same, the one in the flesh, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, that's right. Because I, 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 when, when you were working on your master's stuff, I, I thought you were crazy. Yeah, I was. <laughs> And, and didn't Danny like say don't do that? Yeah, yeah. A lot of smart people said don't do that. I did it. <laughs> so, worked out. It worked out okay. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, you can you can find us Sam at thinking.fm or we're on Twitter. Easy to find. Um, you know, so just reach out if you have questions. Don't don't be scared. We're not gonna we're not gonna make fun of you unless you insult us. Yeah, we're us. getting a lot of good um, you know feedback. You know, people. I got a message today from you know somebody who's saying it is some good fodder for the show. So, and I replied back, was like, yes, this is amazing, and you should come on and discuss it. So, you know, uh, if you actually have good stuff, and, you know, we might bring you on the show to, to discuss it. So, we'll see. We're working out some of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, specific questions, send them our way. We'll consider answering them. So, so okay, but so we're talking about, I mean, you know, we don't answer, we can't answer everything. But um, we pick, you know, we just pick them randomly. We're not going to say that it's fair the way we pick them. Or that it's judicious are, or anything like that. What are angels, Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to move on past that one. So, but this other thing I want to talk about, which is related to the Bible, which makes a lot of sense, and, you know, uh, concerns over reading the Bible and things like that, is the Emoji Bible, which has kind of had its 15, maybe five minutes of fame. And I think we're actually kind of seeing it drop off now, which is probably not a bad thing. So I was actually really kind of excited about this, right, when I saw it first. I was like, hey, this yeah. this could be amazing, right? Yeah, right. A Bible with emoji, right? So uh, Justin Bieber just came out with his own emoji set. You were telling me that NASCAR just came out with their own emoji set. Like, this could be yeah. kind of amazing what you could do with translating the Bible into emoji. The Chicago Cubs have their own emoji. You know, you've got the Kim Kardashian yes. thing. You've got, what's that other app that all the uh, all the, the tennis moms use? Um where you get the, the little avid bit, bit emoji. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it could have been amazing, but it's not. So, it's just based on the King James Version, which, because it's in um, out of copyright, I guess. Well, I don't know if it ever was copyrighted, but it's in the public domain. Um, but so is the English Standard Version, I think, which would have been a much more readable translation. But so it's basically the King James Version <laughs> with the smattering of smiley faces. And it, it was just a, I mean, it's easy to do. So basically the, the developer took about 30 minutes and just said, okay, if, if you come across this word, you know, angel, then put in this emoji. If you come across this word, put in this word, you know, this emoji. So right. it's nothing. Right. So they're 80 emoji for 200 words in the King James version. Um, so, and a lot of the ones that, you know, like a lot of our favorite verses, like in Second uh, Kings, where Elisha right, <laughs> she bears. calls out the two she bears from the wood, from the woods to maul the forty-two children that are making fun of him because he's bald. <laughs> hey, Baldy! Right? Yeah, go up, Baldy. Go up, Baldy. Um, that was the verse that made me a religion major, by the way. Yeah, there's no, there's like no 
emoji in that verse. I don't like this could be like this is ripe for amazing Bible emoji. Like like the bear from the Simpsons. Yeah. You know, like chasing the little kids and the little kids are doing the, the running man emoji. <laughs> yes. None of that. And they've got Boy Scout uniforms on. So um so a little disappointed about that and you know, kind of staying away from controversial texts and things like that. But uh the other thing that was interesting to me about this was kind of seeing the reaction to the emoji bible as well. Um and so we you know have for instance Al Mohler who's the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and he tweets out, "Ah, dear millennials, please insist on using words to translate the bible, not emoji. Please." It's important. And then he tagged at Bible emoji. <laughs> it's important. It's important. Um, Please. And so, yeah, I mean, it just really stood out to me kind of, you know, thinking about how language um, intersects with like power and legitimation. Right. So Moeller like has the authority and he's kind of this elite figure as the president of a seminary to say, like, I, I am the gatekeeper for who can translate the Bible well. You know, what gets considered as a good and appropriate and holy translation of the Bible. And I say that this doesn't count because you're not using the language that I want you to use. But you know how you could? You could come to my seminary and give me your money and learn from me. And then you could be legitimate as a translator of the Bible. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's that. I mean, it goes back to what you always say, you know, it's all about money and power. And in right. this case, I mean, not that the emoji Bible is threatening, you know, Southern Seminary or, or anything like that. But, um, you know, uh, Moeller is, is reestablishing uh, that there are right and wrong ways to read it because it is God's word. And if you disrespect it in his view, then, um, you know, you're, you're not doing something cute or funny, you know, like it, it could be dangerous. Uh, but that's all up to Moeller and his Reformed theology worldview and, and point of view. Um, yeah, he's, he's basically pissing on the tree and saying, no, no, this is my boundary. <laughs> you don't right, get to right, come right. over here to my territory. Yeah. You, you don't know enough. Yeah, but it's so it's interesting, too, because, you know, you know, so it's like how grammar works, right? When we have these grammar rules. So <clears throat> like the, you know, Webster's Dictionary, Oxford English Dictionary, whatever, they will tell you we are descriptive and not prescriptive. Right, so they don't say this is how it should be done. They say this is how it is done. And so if you have a definition of a word, if the word begins to be used differently, then they will change the definition. They will not say, no, you cannot use that word that way. If a word is pronounced one way and you know it's in the dictionary and then over time the word gets pronounced a different way, they will change their pronunciation of the word because they are just saying this is how language works kind of right now. Uh, and they're not saying this is how it ought to work or how it should work. But of course, you know, most people don't look at it that way. You know, a lot of people look at it as, well, you know, I'm right and you're pronouncing this wrong because the dictionary says so. Or, you know, they're starting their paper in their university class with Webster's defines X as dot, dot, dot. Oh, God, By the do way, that. don't ever do that. Just don't ever do that. It's pretty much going to be an automatic F. Okay. Just don't ever. Yeah, It doesn't matter what. Like at any level, yeah. eighth grade, it, it does, yeah, at any level, <laughs> kindergarten. Man, kindergarten, don't do it. No, it's bad. Um, but so right, but then you know what people do is you know a lot of people they use grammar, and this is what Pierre Bourdieu talks about, and I mentioned this a little bit in the piece that I wrote. Um, 
but you know Pierre Bourdieu talks about kind of how grammar and language function as a tool of power and legitimation you know from the elites to kind of keep the non-elites you know the lower class so to speak uh, kind of in line right yeah and, exactly. and this and we can see this working kind of um, in our country in the states here uh, with uh, uh, all kind of along racial lines as well Right. And, and age wise, you know, it's oh, yeah. those millennials are up talking or they're right, you know, or, yeah, or, you know, it's just, you know, they're texting all the time and it's all just text speak and they don't know how to like form complete sentences and how do they not know how to diagram a sentence and right. Or it's, um, you know, the, like the, so the use of the pluperfect, for instance, right. Right. And, um, you know, what had happened was. Which is like a cultural yeah. joke, but it's it's a completely legitimate tense in English and in Greek, right? Uh, you know the pluperfect tense there, but it becomes this kind of cultural joke about well, I'm going to tell you what happened was, but it's a pro- it's kind of prominent in you know African American dialect, and it's not prominent in white dialect, so now it's like not correct, right? Well, no, yeah, or, you, or it's- you can't use that. You should say what happened was well, maybe I don't. Maybe the simple past isn't the best way to describe this. Maybe the pluperfect is a better way to, you know, to to arrange this, to form this. So, you know, it's, you can see this kind of happening not just on class levels, but on class levels, but also on age levels, as you're saying, and along kind of racial uh, barriers as well. Yeah, and, and you see it so much. Um, was it Radiolab had a, I think it was Radiolab or This American Life. It was This American Life. Did a, a segment on teenage girls using Instagram and um, yeah, I guess it was whatever. And, and the, the moderator, the podcaster was, was describing how those teenage girls were using phrases like, you know, you slayed me or I'm dead or, uh, you know, LOL or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And how us old people look at that and say, what do you mean you're dead? <laughs> like, what, is that something that's, is that a, a good thing? Um, and, and just the, the idea of, of scanning through a feed really quick and, and doing this sort of shorthand form of feedback. Um, and a lot of the people I talked to after hearing that or, or seeing their posts on Facebook more realistically were people my age who are saying, oh, you know, fear for our coming generations and they're, they're just, right. you know, thumbing their way through an algorithm of, of, you know, pictures and they're responding glibly and if they don't get 100 likes and they, they you know, go to bed crying because they're not getting the kind of feedback that they think they should get on something that's, you know, um, personal to them, whatever. Um, but, you know, every generation thinks it's the last great generation. Right. You know, and... and I, gosh, you know, even I, I mean, I feel that now being 37 and <laughs> always joke, you know, once you get past like 35, the universe starts telling you, hey, you're, you're not really needed anymore. You know, <laughs> especially I've had three kids, you know, they're they're going to be fine without me. And I'm just kind of taking up space here. And yeah, sure. Maybe you can think some good thoughts here in the last half of your life. But, you know, for the most part, I'm taking up atoms and resources and I'm I'm eating cows and, and burning fossil fuels yeah. that the universe is kind of like, all right, you know, hurry it up, hurry up. Here's the door. And, uh, you know, you feel that when you, when you drive in a car for three hours and you get out and you have a sore back, 
um, or you know you're you start gaining weight, and you're like, oh my gosh, my, metalo- my metabolism is not what it used to be. Yeah. Well, and you know, but, yeah. so I think too. I mean, it's it is on the one hand, it's kind of a fundamental misunderstanding of how language works, right? I mean, that there's nothing stable about language, and I mean, never has been. Um, which is also why part of what bothers me about the quote unquote translation of the emoji Bible is because it's only it's just plug and play, right? So they programmed. I mean, it's it is as plug and play as you can get with translation. They literally programmed, if you see this word, plug in this emoji, right? Um, And that's not how language translation works. Like it's not a code to be ciphered like that, you know? Um, You have to actually like kind of understand the nuances of the text. Um, When it's like, I, you know, I saw a a thing today where Breitbart, there's a report on Breitbart and they're like, La Raza in Spanish means the race. (laughs) And it's like, oh good, you can use Google Translate. Like you should, if you don't know the language, you shouldn't be able to use Google Translate, right? That's how I feel about people using the keyword study Bible. And they're like, well, the Greek yeah. says, and I'm like, well, how much Greek have you taken? Well, <laughs> keyword Bible study, you know, study Bible says, okay, well, come back to me when you've taken a few years of Greek. And then we can talk about like nuances of this word and how it's used in other, you know, Greek classical literature that we have, right? Then we can actually talk about how language really works. Um, right. So, but, but it's funny. So like with me, I mean, it's a running joke um, with Mariana, who's, She's 31, I'm 37, so we, we've got a little bit of a generational gap there. And I, I, I evidently use emoji incorrectly most of the time when I try to use them. <laughs> so, so, like, we'll be on a group text, and I'll throw out, you know, whatever the smiley face with its tongue out, and, she, you know, she'll side text me and say, hey, you know, that's like a sexual innuendo. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, that, it's a smiley face. Um, you know, or... or Whatever. Right. Uh, or you're like, it, hey, what the I eggplant just want all this eggplant. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> why is there an eggplant? Why, why is it raining on the eggplant? And, you know, my friends are like, no, Sam, that's, that's not what's happening in that uh, context. But I feel, I mean, personally for me, so I, I, I know I'm, I'm out of touch with that stuff. So I can't imagine being Al Mohler and being someone who grew up with the baby boomers and a very objectivist, you know, worldview of, hey, we're right, you're wrong. This is how you have to interpret things. This is how you have to talk. This is how you have to communicate and, and interpret the Bible. Um, to be thrust into this world now, it's it's got to be you know a, a little shocking for, uh, for the poor guy. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'll end with this. So yes, I'm a person of privilege uh, on many levels. Uh, but I was speaking at a church a couple of months ago, and they'd asked me to come and talk about social media and you know, the dangers of Instagram and having your youth pastor interacting with your kids on, on social media and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that's not generally how I approach that topic of, of social media in the church. And I'm, you know, even when I was uh, uh, teaching middle school, I was very open about it. And I wanted the parents and the students and the administration and other teachers to really kind of dig in and figure out, you know, how we can best use those tools and not just say no, no Instagram. Um, so we're going through, and there was this one older gentleman, well, older guy, I don't think he was a gentleman, uh, who you know, was proud of his flip phone from 2007 that was all taped up or whatever. And it got to the point where he kept interrupting other people and saying, well, that's not what, you know, well, what do you mean? Are you saying there's no objective truth? And, you know, a couple of the other people were either young females or, or young males or older females, older males, you know, it's kind of across any divide that that disagreed with his particular point that he was trying to make, which is we need to throw the internet away and get back to uh, pen and paper and Dan rather. 
Um, so, uh, you know, we, we go through and I'm holding him at bay and I'm, I'm doing my, my teacher thing where, you know, you're dealing with a difficult student who's just there to kind of prove his point. Right. And we get through and he walks up and I'm thinking, okay, well, he's going to say, you know, because it's kind of smiling. And I'm thinking he's going to say either something really terrible or something, um, you know, like conciliatory, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's good talk. Thank you for coming. Um, <clears throat> I had a big whiteboard behind me. So he, he asked to hold the, the dry erase marker that I was holding on to while talking to other people. And I said, sure. So he pulls out his, his paper notebook and he like a little spiral flip top paper notebook and he starts writing on the whiteboard and I realize he's writing one of the sentences that I said in, in wrap up, which is one of the key things. And, um, I don't think it was on a slide. I think I just, you know, said it. And so, you know, I get to him and I turn around and uh, it's like, okay, so what's this? And he starts diagramming the sentence for me. <laughs> no way. And he's like, well, the, you know, here, when you use this, this word that you, you're using this in the transitive sense, and this is not supposed to be a transitive verb here. And, uh, you know, this is a predicate for sure. And I'm, I'm not sure why you would use, you know, missions this way and, and missionizing instead of, um, you know, using this term. He's like, I was an English teacher and I take this stuff very seriously. And, it, you know, I, I just kind of, I had one of those moments of, okay, do I just go off on the guy? Because <laughs> it, it makes you, I mean, I, I'm a human. It makes me angry. Yes. And, you know, I'm thinking, this is what you do? Like, this is how you respond? And, and gosh, you know, what a, what a sad life in, in some ways. So I've, I've thought about yeah, him. But I, but I, I think, think that's, that's, that's a good yeah. example for, like, in a kind of really specific way for how kind of language is used um, kind of as a trump card, right? Like, I know right. the correct way to do it. Oh, and by the way, I'm an English teacher, so I am an authority on what's the correct way to do it. And, you're and not everything you just said is invalid. Yeah, exactly. Right, because you didn't say it the correct way. Right. That that would have been uh, affirming to my own worldview. Yeah. So Bourdieu, Pierre Bourdieu, calls it the uh, the petty bourgeois hypercorrectivity, which I just it's a it's <laughs> amazing, amazing. I just almost did a spit take. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So we have to before we wrap up here, we have to talk about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know what a day. some people get tired of that, but. Man, so you can actually kind of understand like why the media give him so much free media, right? Um, because it, there's the stuff that comes out of him is just insane. Okay, so the first thing uh, we can get to the judge comments in a minute, but the first thing is you know Muhammad Ali died uh, on Friday, and um, so Trump as did a lot of other people, you know, tweets out this kind of, hey, Muhammad Ali was great. So he says, Muhammad Ali is dead at 74, exclamation point. A truly great champion and a wonderful guy. He will be missed by all, exclamation point. Uh, The internet, being the wonderful thing that it is, took no time to retweet Donald Trump from December of last year, where he said, Obama said in his speech that Muslims are sports heroes. What sport is he talking about? And who? Is Obama profiling? So, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe Donald Trump didn't know that, like, only the most famous Muslim athlete this country has ever known was Muslim. Right? Like, seriously? Yeah, clearly. You know, Donald Trump has put on so many boxing events and has casinos. Right. Like, yeah, Come on. Uh, so, yeah. So there, there was that. And there's also his comments about uh, um, Judge Gonzalo Curio. Um who was the judge over Trump's uh, Trump University case, a civil case, which, by the way, is not connected at all to 
um, his running for president or anything like that and his political aspirations. It's a personal, private matter. Why? Um, yeah, why is this? Uh, and so, right. So, I mean, what he's doing, even working on this. <laughs> he's using his platform to try to, I think, influence the case, right, uh, in, in some regards. So he's, you know, basically he says, oh, the, the because I'm going to build a wall uh, and the judge is Mexican, He's biased against me, so he should, you know, he he can't be fair to me, and he should be, you know, recuse himself from the case. Well, I yeah. mean, the judge was born in Indiana. Yes, his parents happened to be Mexican, but uh, yeah, Donald Trump's parents also happened to not have been born in America, right? Or they oh, right, Germany. So, <laughs> yeah. um, Trump. Right. So he is just as American as Donald Trump is. Um, and but Trump's like he's a Mexican. Well, no, he's not a Mexican. He's an American um, who happens to have Mexican heritage. Uh, who, by the way, also like face down the Mexican drug cartels. <laughs> like it's not like he's I don't know secretly trying to bring over all these Mexican rapists, right? Yeah, um, I mean, just the fact that he would use that to try to persuade or have some kind of influence on the yeah. on the court case. But he, he's he's dialed it back today. After all, I mean, today was. Kind of a shit show for, yeah, for the Republican Party, but everybody kind of like you know, a ton of Republicans are basically like, uh, no, like that's a, that's too much for us. Now, of course, like Paul Ryan's like, oh, unequivocally, it's racist. Well, do you still support him? Yeah, I'm still supporting him. Like, okay, yeah, yeah I think that our racist guy who keep who can't keep himself from saying racist things and is trying to you know turn the ire of a significant portion of the country against a judge based on that judge's heritage uh, is better than Hillary Clinton. Well, and now he said that he's not going to say anything else about right. the case. Right. So this comes out today. Well, okay. But before that, right, then on Sunday, oh, right, right. he has a conference call with some of his surrogates and says, actually, no, we need to attack the judge more. And the reporters that are asking the questions, they're the real racist. So you should say that they're the real racist. And everybody's like, what the hell? Right. <laughs> well, so some of his surrogates went on Fox News and and said, well, you know. Just that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but then today, yeah, on Tuesday, um, then this statement comes out and he says, uh, you know, all oh, my comments have been misconstrued, right? So I can't believe anybody took my racist comments as racist, like, gee whiz. Um, and he says, oh, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Okay, well, you don't have to. Well, you're racist for bringing it up. <laughs> right. And he's like, oh, and he, oh, there was somebody on Twitter that pointed out, like, why are you using the passive here, right? He says, questions were raised. And it's like. You raised the question. Like it's not like it's just a thing that happened in the universe, and oh, I happen to see this thing happen. Right? Yeah, I, and there's there's been a, a a metric ton of of articles today from Politico and the the Hill and Washington Post, all all over the place about. Oh, was it MSNBC had this kind of spotlight and basically basically said that um, the Donald Trump campaign is is in complete disarray right and the republican leadership is starting to get very agitated annoyed and worried at this point uh because he doesn't have a communications team he doesn't have a, a first responder team um it's basically trump and his uh his, his on the road right. his on the road campaign manager and hope uh mills i believe is her name yeah. his uh <laughs> spoke uh, quote spokesperson who's not really his spokesperson. No, because actually Katrina Pearson is more like a spokesperson. But yeah, right. So like she does right. the news shows, but it really is two communications people, and it's Hope, and then it's like Corey Lewandowski, who is just kind of his like right hand person on the road, 
who was a yeah. campaign manager is not anymore, who also, you know, probably likely allegedly assaulted a female reporter. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, and evidently they're keeping a lot of things from him and kind of keeping him protected. And, you know, they're, they're the conciliatories, if you will. Right. Um, and that's not how you run a presidential election at this point. Sure, he got through the primaries because, again, that was a, a dumpster fire. Um, and, and he betrayed a lot of conventional wisdom and made it through. But at this point, we're, we're already seeing the effects of the, the Clinton machine <laughs> starting, you know, just throwing some opening lobs at him. Uh, really starting to wear him down, right? And well, yeah, and so uh, and so it's, it's an interesting point, right? Because a lot of people a couple of weeks ago were saying like, "Oh, Donald Trump has kind of like shown us a new way to build a campaign, like small and lean. You don't need all this kind of you know all these teams on the ground in various states." And then now we're like, oh, "Okay, no, actually that doesn't work." Right. No, then you see like, yeah, you talk about the Clinton machine as maybe like a negative thing, but you see like yeah. you need that many people, right, to run a national campaign. I mean, it's a country with 300 million people like you need, you know, the situation is different in every state and every small town and every, you know, all the delegates you have to deal with and all the state conventions. Right. You need that many people to kind of navigate just how complicated the system is. You can't just, I mean, that's, right. that would be like me and you and a couple of other of our friends, right? Like people that we group text with all the time that will remain anonymous. Um, <laughs> like sitting around like, yeah, we're going to do this and it's just going to be us, but we're going to be able to run a national campaign. Like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> yeah. no, like that just wouldn't yeah. work. So well, what did uh, Trump tweet today? Like, uh, you know, I'm getting lots of bad marks in the press about, my campaign, but we're lean and, and small and that allows us to be flexible right. or something. But, but the MSNBC post was making a very good point about kind of the details of, of being able to connect, uh, connect the campaign, not just to the party, but also to things like super PACs and yeah. minor major donors and research outlets and all those things that you have to have, even if you're Donald Trump and you're the Maverick or whatever, you still have to have those connections to the PACs and you have to have those connections to the party infrastructure and none of that is in place. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he's got two or three weeks. My guess is, yeah, sorry. I, you know, I, I mean, I was trading conspiracies yeah. with you today. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think in bizarro world, that is this election, uh, we're going to get two to three weeks on the road. And like even this press conference tonight is going to be really fascinating to watch. But we're going to get down the road before the convention, and Trump is going to realize he's on a sinking ship, and this is not going to go well. Um, and it's going to do even more damage to his brand. So he's going to cut a deal with the Republican uh, convention or Republican Party and say, look, you know, I'll, I'll go out on top. I'll tell my followers to embrace your candidate, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a a unity gathering in Cleveland rather than what this definitely could become, right. which is really, really nasty. And I think that would, I mean, I, I don't know anything about this level of, of, you know, politics besides speculation, but it seems to me that would be a much better outcome for the Republican party than this continual thing where it's Lindsey Graham calling Donald Trump, you know, uh, unfit for presidency. <laughs> right. and Most un-American statements since uh, McCarthy. Isn't that what he said yeah. about Trump? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the, and he, I mean, he's telling people that they need to uh, unendorse yeah. Trump. 
And then you've got Chris yeah. Christie out there saying that Lindsey Graham needs to shut up and get back to South Carolina because he has high in favorables, even though Chris Christie is pulling like 75% in favorables. Right. And, like, who's sure. Chris, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever uh, you say, I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say, bounce off of me in 60 years. Yeah. So, or or uh, who was um, from Kentucky, Senator Rand- today came out? Was it Rand Paul? No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, who's other senator from Kentucky? What's his name? Uh, the the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, duh. Mitch McConnell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. The majority <laughs> leader. The, the Senate majority leader <laughs> said that it's time for him to uh, stop attacking various minority groups. In other words, you know, get your, get your shit together here. Right. Like we're we're in the big time now. So here's what I really think is going to happen. I could be wrong, but but I think that. In six months, a year, two years, we're going to look back on this Trump run like everybody looks back on the Palin run and be like, what in the hell were people thinking? But this is so much worse. No, I agree. It's so much worse. But it's like there was a lot of excitement like, oh, yeah, like we got our own woman like, look, you know, and and she says, you betcha. Right. And it's like super exciting for like five minutes. And then everybody was all of a sudden like, what have we done? Right. But that's the thing. So I think they, she had a, a shelf life of about two months there. Because I remember when when they named her, and I thought, oh, because I was maybe right, in Atlanta maybe not a bad and I thought, choice. Oh, wow, before anybody yeah. knew who she was. Apparently, exactly. also before McCain knew who she was, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They met once, I believe, like for ten minutes in a hotel in Arizona or something, and then, uh, yeah. Um, she just, had, but yeah, you know, she was the grizzly bear mom, and he was like, "I love it. <laughs> Let's do it." <laughs> grizzly bear mom. Oh, Sarah. Um. So so. You had Sarah Palin, you had uh, Howard Dean on the Democratic side. Yeah. Who fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Dean> <laughs> Which is, you know, the Dean scream. It's still something we talk about. Right. But Trump has fallen apart so many times, and he's lasted so much longer than either one of those two. Yeah, I, so I think you're right. I mean, shelf life is definitely longer, but I think he's actually, I mean, besides, I think, uh, the damage he's going to do to the Republican Party, I think he's going to do a lot of damage to celebrity candidates for a long time as well. That's that's my guess is like people are going to get through this and then they're going to kind of realize, man, that was a close call. I'm glad we didn't do that. Let's not do that again. It's kind of like our, our little flirtation period with Jesse to the body, <laughs> Jesse, the body Ventura. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger at the same time. But then we have Al Franken on the on the liberal side who people love. Right. Like, I mean, it know. can work. And obviously, you know, the conservatives love Reagan um, and it can't. And honestly, like Schwarzenegger is not the same as Trump as being like kind oh, of a God, celebrity. Man. Right. So, I mean, it can. But I, but I think that we're, we may see a little bit of pushback um, in that regard for some while as well. So, so we'll see. But, but the other thing, you know, one more thing to mention about Trump's comments here is walk them, you know, the, has it as, okay, actually has not walked his comments back about judge Curiel. He has said, he's not going to talk about it anymore. Um, but he also said in another interview, a reporter asked him, uh, well, what about a Muslim judge? Would a Muslim judge be biased against you? And he said, yeah, I could, you know, probably, you know, I think so. Um, and so it just, you know, it seems like basically, you know, he has he said something offensive about you know you, and if he has, then apparently you're not fit to judge him, right? So uh, Mexicans, Muslims, women, um, you know, people with disabilities, right? So who's who is actually qualified in Trump's eyes to give him you know a fair ruling? And you would have to guess it would be middle-aged white guys. 
that's, well, yeah, you know, yeah. that's a problem, particularly, and it's also particularly ironic that you know Republicans are lambasting him on his comments about the judge and saying, you know, basically we can't. Like, hey, the judiciary is impartial, and yes, we talk about activist judges all the time, but you can't say that he's biased against you just because he's Mexican, right? That is, <laughs> that is the literal definition of racism. Uh, yeah. Oh, but by the way, we don't think Obama should be able to. Um, you know, give us the appoint the next Supreme Court justice. We want Donald Trump to do that. What? This just doesn't make any sense. So, right? He would. Yeah. Yeah. So, Megyn Kelly. Yeah, and so I I think that so many things like that he's doing and that the Republicans are doing. You know, twisting themselves in knots to try to unify the party. It's just, I mean, they're kind of handing over on a silver platter to the Democrats, uh, connecting Trump with down ballot Republicans. Yeah. And so as they keep doing more of this and more of this, it just seems like they're going to feel the negative reverber- reverberations of that even more seriously than they would have. And so I think like they're kind of, in a sense, digging their own grave as they're chaining themselves to Trump, even as they're like daily having to say, no, I wouldn't say it that way. Or, yes, I disavow this. But, yes, I still endorse him. And yeah. So I, Yeah. And Hillary just needs I mean, she did a masterful speech. Yes. On, uh, on Saturday. Right. I mean, that was just using Trump's words against himself. Yeah. And that's all she needs to do right now. Yeah. You know, just just sit there and, and uh, throw left jabs. Uh, did you see where Senator Mark Kirk from Illinois uh, just said he's unendorsing Donald Trump? Well, I, I, it probably won't be the first. I mean, it probably won't be the last um, of those that we see. I think a lot of people I'm surprised Rubio hasn't Rubio. Man, I don't know about Rubio like. His political calculations, I'm just, I just keep questioning. Like, he just, little I just don't think he's a. I thought he was a good politician, but as I watch him yeah. closely, I just don't think he's a good politician, right? Because yeah. his whole thing is, I'm yes, I'm supporting Trump because I made a promise in the primaries that I would support the nominee. Like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, I mean, okay, the Hitler example, right, is a bad comparison to make always, but it's like, oh, well, I made a promise I would support the National Socialist nominee, so gotta support Hitler, right? Like, I made a promise I would support our party's nominee. Yeah, so what if he's racist, right? Like, I gotta still support him. I made a promise, and it's like, do you, do you have no conviction? Right? You would actually no, be able to, just you would actually be able to make a name for yourself, I think, in the Republican Party or whatever it will be that will rise from the ashes of the Republican Party 2016. If you would stand up and say, I will not stand for this. We cannot stand for this. This is not the Republican Party. This is not the America that I have fought for. This is not the America that my parents, you know, dreamed about, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I mean, he, like, I can write this speech for him in five minutes. It's not that hard of a speech to give. But he's like, well, I, I made a promise. So, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Marco. Well, it's the same thing that Paul Ryan's doing. Yes. You know, he's, right. he's trying to calculate instead of lead. And the Republican Party needs a leader right now. Right. So whether it's little Marco or, you know, and they, pro and, and they think, Paul. And I think wrongfully, they think they can control Trump. And I think it's right. pretty obvious with how his campaign has gone that no one can control Donald Trump. And that's what I'm saying. The best thing that can happen to them is for him to realize that he's out of his league. And or that he just not, doesn't want to do it because he's not going to make any money while he's president if he wants. He's not going to make any money. It's going to cost him a lot of money. Yeah. You know, things like Trump year were coming back out. And, you know, like he said, he, he's audited every year or whatever. I, I think. I don't know if that's true. That's what he says. Uh, yeah, right. But I'm saying, like, you know, he, he likes to play that victim mentality right. and play that up. Um, but when he really does start becoming the victim like he is doing today, I think that really 
plays with his head in a way that it doesn't with Hillary or or no, but so, and, I, and I think she was absolutely right to say that he's thin skinned. And yeah. then what what was his response? His response was, I mean, you cannot make this up, right? I, I actually have very thick, very strong skin. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Donald. Especially on my penis. <laughs> right? Like, like, I mean, I don't like you can't parody him because he is already a parody of himself. He's a parody of the system. Yeah. And and but you know, he is what God had brought, you know, when it comes to uh these types of, of politics that the Republicans and and people on the left have been playing uh, over the last decade, just, you know, and, and this is the ultimate end of it. All right, so um, let us know. We're going to watch the returns tonight. Six more states tonight. What time? Uh, what time is Trump speaking? I think it's at like nine, right? It's he basically scheduled it for exactly when he knows Hillary's um, oh. like victory speech is going to be. So we'll see. Oh, that's is. true. Because yeah. yeah, she's got the big coordination tonight. Right, yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, we're going to watch the returns tonight. We'll be on Twitter yeah. about that. Uh, Obviously, get in touch with us there. You can follow Sam at Sam Harrelson. You can follow me at Thomas Whitley. We apologize again for the technical difficulties. We will try to be better next time. Uh, But until then, you can always find more great podcasts at thinking.fm. I don't. Do I have iTunes on this computer? (laughs) Shit. I have iTunes on the Windows, man. Talk about fucking dumpster fire. iTunes. Like what the fuck? God, iTunes is horrible. It can't be that for hard. a company that like for so long was so much about music. Like, God, it's I, I just I read a guy today. It was like a wish list for WWDC, <clears throat> and he was like, "I want a standalone podcast app for the Mac." And my first thought was like, "Eh, like their mm. podcast app on iOS isn't really that great." But no, if you not. think about it, it's actually not a bad idea if you kind of de-bloat iTunes. Um. Like break it up, yeah, like piece by piece. I mean, I don't know why that like it's bro- it is broken up on iOS. So kind of as they're moving toward more kind of seamlessness between iOS and macOS, etc., that actually does kind of make sense to have like podcast, music, videos, you know, like as all separate um, apps. I don't know. Well, and but iTunes is just horrible. Like I never use it anymore. <laughs> And no, all my music stored on my external hard drive, so I can't even open iTunes unless I have my external hard drive plugged in, you know, because I have the library there. Um, so, yeah, I don't ever open it anymore, and I don't ever even think about iTunes anymore. For me, it's, it's so like slow. Pandora and Amazon Music. That's it, really. So now yeah. I listen to music sometimes in the music app on my phone, you know, Do but you? when I'm in the bar and stuff. But so when you uh, when you use app or Amazon Music. Do you did you upload all of your music to their locker thing? You know, I don't remember if I did it if I did or not. There's a bunch of music on there that seems like I must have uploaded it. Um, but honestly, I don't even remember. Like I just have a ton of music like on Amazon and there's so much that's available for like for free anyway. Yeah. Well, I use um, I mean, you know, it's a Prime as a Prime subscriber, so. Right. I had, I just had so many like outtakes and B size and shit that you you can't get on like Spotify or whatever. So I use Google Music because you can upload yeah upload all your music like, yeah. fifty thousand songs or something. So and I did you know, that. I've got more I did than that. that. I remember doing it with Google Music. So I probably also did it with Amazon Music too, because um, yeah. I definitely have songs in my library there that it's like oh I have one song off this album that's odd. I also have the same song in my like regular music library. So I probably and see that's the fucking worst thing about. Apple Music or iTunes or whatever, like if you if you did the iTunes match, which I did because I was you know all yeah. being 
Mr. Tech Guy. Um, it it takes your stuff and it just completely obliterates the metadata and it replaces it with what you think it should be. So, uh, you know, I have these, it's called 30 Days and it's uh, it's like 42 CDs, but it's all the music that the Beatles uh, recorded uh, during the Le uh, Let It Be sessions. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's just an enormous amount of music. And I'd carefully sat there and done, you know, each desk because, you know, I downloaded it from right. who knows where back in the day. And, you know, I had the right album art and all this right. stuff and really cool pictures. And, I, you know, go to iTunes Match and boom, it's all gone. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Apple. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, God, it's so, it's just screwed up. But, yeah, I mean, like, I saw this commercial the other day for Apple Music and it was like, Nine ninety nine a month, and you can listen to like any song you want. And I was like, "Why am I gonna do that? Like, I can already listen to basically any song I want on Amazon, and I'm already paying for that. Oh, and by the way, I get free shipping, and I get like free <laughs> streaming video too. You know, like all right. included with like music shipping and video. So why would I pay for just a music service that's not really even that's not any better? You know, right? I mean, there are a few albums that are exclusively there. There are a few albums that are exclusively on Tidal and things like that, but. Got a title. I don't know. Title's a piece of shit. Yeah. So. <laughs> God, I hate titles so much. I subscribed for like two months because I was like, oh, well, you know, right. I'll support that because it's a good idea and, you know, whatever. God, it's awful. Well, it was just funny to me, too, when, like, with Apple Music and they were like, oh, like, Beats One, like, it's going to be the best. It's like worldwide. Oh, radio. yeah. And yeah. I was like, um, like Apple, like you've had radio like in iTunes for years now, and it's never been good. You know, like you used to be able to get through all these like international radio stations. Um, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, on the little had the little radio thing that no yeah. one used. Yeah, I used it for a little bit. Like you know, like oh, let's see, see what's out here. Is that still there? I don't. Maybe it's not still there. But they had it a long time ago. That obviously wasn't a success. Yeah. So it's just funny to me, like they were so like they were music pioneers and then mm -hmm. now like they can't figure music out. Like they tried ping. Like what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, they kind of got screwed over by Facebook on that one because yeah. they were going to integrate and then Facebook the, like the night before pulled the API. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> It's kind of like a big screw you. Um, and Steve Jobs was pissed about that and uh, took it, took it to his grave evidently because it you know, made him look stupid. Um, but yeah, I forgot about Beats 1, because I, I listened to a, a couple of days, and I was like, all right, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, I mean, there's so many other sources out there. Right. I don't think we're going to have one world station that everyone listens to. No, nah. no. Nah. The guy's kind of funny, but... Yeah. Sane. All right, we're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> 